Wrestling Contest is scheduled for one fall. Please welcome Mr. Freds. What is the one quality that you possess that makes you think that you can walk out here and come into the ring and face the very best in the business? Ruthless aggression. What is going on, peeps, and welcome to episode 96, the Parallel of Nice episode of the Fretzelmania podcast. Today I am reviewing SmackDown from December the 5th. 2002 but first y'all know i like to see what else is going on in the crazy world of professional wrestling during the same week monday night raw took place at the frank Irwin center in austin texas on december the 2nd and we had quite an interesting show to go through here kicking off we had the Dudley Boys, Bubba Ray and Devon, defeating Jamal and Rosie, Rosie of 3-Minute Warning. Trish Stratus defeated Ivory. Lance Storm and William Regal defeated Jeff Hardy and Tommy Dreamer. In a superhero clash match, we had Drax the Destroyer squashing the Hurricane in less than a minute. Yes, of course, that is Dave Batista beating the Hurricane. I had to get a Guardians of the Galaxy joke in there because the trailer for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 just dropped, and my lord, I think that movie is uh, going to make us cry a lot more than Avengers Endgame did. Booker T versus Chris Jericho ended in a no contest when their respective partners got involved leading to a tag team championship match between Chris Jericho and Christian and Book Dust and the champs retained. In a non-title grudge match, we had Jacqueline defeating Victoria and in the main event, Triple H defeated Rob Van Dam to become the number one contender to HBK's World Heavyweight Championship and the champion himself, was the special guest referee. Meanwhile, at TNA, December the 4th, 2002, my brother's birthday, happy birthday, bro, in front of a whopping 450 fans at the Fairgrounds Coliseum, we had TNA number 23. Nobody likes you when you're 23. In the dark matches, we had Kid Cash beating Larry Valentine, Sonny Siaki beating Ron Sexton, and Jason Cross pinning Jimmy Rave, who we lost, uh, I think, this past year, if not the year before. His last few years of his life were just horrible with health problems and I think some amputations. And it was just heart-wrenching to see someone who gave his, his body and his life and his limbs, literally, to this business and seeing what happened to him at such a young age was awful 
Jason Cross is a name that's going to come across, pun intended, uh, TNA pay-per-views in the very near future, wowing audiences with his finishing move, The Crossfire, a shooting star press leg drop, which even to this day, after seeing things like, you know, double flip moonsaults and ricochet landing a 630 splash on SmackDown to become World Cup champion, it is still one of the most impressive things that I have ever seen in a wrestling ring. The rest of the match pay-per-view match list we have here is Divine Storm, Chris Divine and Quiet Storm, defeating the SAT Spanish-announced team, of course, Jose and Joel Maximo, when Storm pinned Jose. In singles matches featuring tag team tag teams here, and I think the tag team champions, AMW just won the titles, if I'm not mistaken. And we had Chris Harris beating Brian Lee, a.k.a. The Underfaker, and James Storm painting Slash. This next match here doesn't give me a lot of description here. I just went to ProWrestlingHistory.com and went under the TNA section. But we had a double elimination match here that was eventually won by Easy Money. And in this elimination, double elimination match here, we had Joel Maximo pinning Kid Cash. AJ Styles pinning Maximo. Easy Money pinning Styles and then Cash. Styles pinning money, pinning money, so you have to be eliminated twice to lose. That's interesting. Maximo pinned Styles, and he's eliminated. And then Money pinned Maximo. So you have to be eliminated twice in a gauntlet-style match. That smells like Russo, which actually smells good because that my dinner's cooking in the other room, and it smells amazing. The tag teams here that recently had these singles matches then competed in a tag team match, non-title, where James Storm and Chris Harris of AMW defeated Brian Lee, Slash, and Bella Donna, the then valet of the Disciples of the New Church, along with uh, Father James Mitchell, in a handicap match when Storm pinned Bella Donna. Now, Bella Donna was a wrestler who was pretty mysterious, pretty inconspicuous, but the world lost her. I think in about 2009-2010, and uh, the events around her death have, have remained a mystery, at least to what I glanced at on Google. Uh, at the time, there was no cause known. I'm not going to speculate anything and put anything out there, because I don't think it would be very fair, and you know they're not there to defend themselves, and God knows if a member of their family somehow hears this, so it was... An unfortunate passing because Bella Donna was not much older than I am when she when she passed away, and it was mysterious too, which is just even worse. And then the main event, Jeff Jarrett beat the Harris twins in a handicap match. Oh, we are smack dab into the Jeff Jarrett reign of terror. You think the Triple H reign of terror was bad? Spoiler alert, it is. But the Jeff Jarrett stranglehold on TNA was probably just as bad and now that Jeff Jarrett is in freaking AEW I shudder to think what's going to happen there probably nothing because he's in the the twilight of his career he's the last cowboy 
chuck on that slap nuts he's still hitting guitars and not drawing any dimes and now finally kyle from the apron bump podcast's favorite show velocity on december the 7th what better way to spend your saturday night than with hockey night in canada and velocity like i did we had crash holly defeating shannon moore rikishi beat michael fox no not that michael j fox no not marty mcfly somehow stumbling into 2002 on his way to 2015 no some guy named mike fox john cena beat a man who would become one of my favorite wrestlers of the ruthless aggression era paul london i believe this might be his first dark match with the company he may have signed with wwe and ovw around this time but man paul london's gonna be a highlight coming up in the next couple of years especially when he starts tagging with brian kendrick when he has his brief run with the cruiserweight title which i think is the timeline that the uh the british iteration of the ruthless pod the ra era podcast you know dave and mike they're doing that one right now and just listening to them talk about it is kind of cool so shout out to uh the british ruthless boys and the american ruthless boys who just dropped i think taboo tuesday 2004 big yikes on that pay-per-view and the main event we had matt hardy version one defeating chuck palumbo Man, that's actually not a bad card right there. That's a pretty decent episode of Velocity, which is leading into an actually decent episode of SmackDown from the American Airlines Arena in Dallas, Texas, in Big D. We have a fatal four-way later in the night to determine the number one contender at Armageddon. And just, again, a sideberg here that Armageddon will be dropping next week on the 16th as there will be no podcast on the 23rd that is uh, getting close to Christmas time. And I'll see if I have anything on the 30th, but that's going to be a game time decision. But first, kicking off this show, we have Rey Mysterio going up against Albert. Now, Albert is a man we haven't seen on SmackDown in quite some time. He has been relegated to Velocity, and if you've been paying attention to my velocity results his name has popped up on the show more than a few times and he has been kind of complaining about the fact that he's been relegated to the b show and that he has something to prove tonight and this is your classic big man and small small man gravy versus jabriath match shout out if you get that reference and ray mysterio is trying to davy this match if you will with a springboard drop kick with a leg drop but it's not very effective as the big man a train not known as a train yet james you're going too far ahead of yourself does a, a gorilla press into a michinoku driver which i believe when he started may have been his finisher unless it was like a torture rack neck breaker i think it was the latter but i remember him doing that that move a lot when he was starting out with draws we then hear the george Steele comparison by the comment by the commentators here and a bunch of shave your back chants by the crowd and if i can quote ron swanson here 
only women shave beneath the neck. And that might answer your question as to as to manscaping. And no, I'm not going to get sponsored by Manscaped because I don't use those tools. Maybe a little clip here and there. We see a Stratisfaction by Rey Mysterio. A dropkick to the knees and finally gets Albert into the 619 position. But the 619 is connected. The West Coast pop is reversed into the train wreck. The gut buster Bruno Sammartino backbreaker into a slam kind of move that looks like it hurts your knees more than it does the back of the recipient. And Albert wins this match. Then lands a post-match beatdown on Ray. Having Ray's knees wrapped around the ropes, Albert gets a chair and starts wailing on it until Edge comes out to make the save. We are setting up an Edge versus Albert match, possibly at Armageddon. Spoiler alert, it is at Armageddon. And my goodness, uh, that's going to be a good one. Backstage, Funaki, SmackDown, number one announcer, is with Bully Bill DeMott. And Funaki says that he's a big fan of Tough Enough Season 3. And Bill says that that is, it's my job. Nothing more, nothing less. I have been in this business for 11 years, and the best that the WWE can do is have me interviewed by someone who can barely speak English. Yeah, that's rude. That's extremely rude by Bill DeMott. Backstage again, the EMTs say that Ray's knee is shattered and Stephanie McMahon is about to suspend Brock Lesnar. Wait, I thought that was made clear last week, but I think I am <clears throat> getting it too far ahead of myself here. We then see a recap of Monday Night Raw where Eric Bischoff is bribing Scott Steiner to come on the show. He is bribing Scott Steiner with women, with a, for a lack of a better term here, a hoe train. Godfather is notably absent from said train, and Scott says that I've never had any problems getting my own freaks, but I'm going to get in the limo here with a real freak, and it's Steph. And she says that, he can offer Scott something that you can't. Sex. And that she sacrificed herself and her vag to bring Scott to SmackDown and sign on the dotted line. Steph then announces that Brock Lesnar will be here, but via satellite, because he's suspended and then has to give us his side of the story. Our next match is Jamie Noble versus Crash Holly. And tonight's SmackDown is brought to you by SmackDown Shut Your Mouth for the PS2. The best storylines and the best action that money can buy. I've played that game recently and I can tell you that that is a lie. Also brought to you by the movie Analyze That, one of the worst comedy sequels ever made avoid that movie at all costs watch analyze this instead and by unreal champions on xbox a game that i've never played nor have i heard of 
Noble is wasting no time trying to get a win here because he has been on a bit of a losing streak even before he lost his Cruiserweight Championship to Billy Kidman at Survivor Series. So it's been a rough couple of months for the former Trailer Park champ here. Cousin Nunzio is again alluded to and mentioned on commentary. Crash goes for the Crash Course, a.k.a. the Stratus Faction, but Noble has his foot on the ropes. Crash then chases Nydia around the ring, kisses her. Noble tries to do something, but eats a, a Crash Landing, a.k.a. the Styles Clash, or a Faith Breaker if you're a fan of Michelle McCool. And the Trailer Park boy here, no, not Ricky, not Julian, not Bubbles, because a dope didn't eat no place for a kitty. <laughs> no, Jamie Noble once again loses his match and then says that Nunzio is going to be here next week. That's it. I've had enough. Backstage. <sighs> oh, boy. We have Don Marie and Tori Wilson. Don is infatuated by Tori, despite the fact that... Um, She's about to marry her father. She then starts to hit on her fiancé's daughter. And that almost, almost reeks of an Oedipus complex. Don't Google that, kids. You're, you're better off. She says that I watched you in WCW. And every move that you've made since then has given me so many feelings for you. Creep alert. Then she has a proposition. If you do something for me, I will not marry your father. Here's my room key. I'm in room 357. Come see me later. Okay. That's going to be... <clears throat> Next up here is Funaki, SmackDown number one announcer versus Bill DeMott, who came out to Marvelous Mark Marrow's theme, something I did not even know. Well, mainly because I didn't have the channel that SmackDown was on until 2003. I can't wait to get into that era of SmackDown, because, oh my lord, is it fantastic. And this match, it won't be humorous. This match will be no laughing matter. You will not get a huge watching this match Bill DeMott wins with a moonsault match over big man small man DeMott squashes and bullies Funaki and wins this match so we're getting some Bill DeMott on the blue brand yay backstage Los Guerreros hype each other up for their respective matches later in the night Chavo is wrestling Billy Kidman for the cruiserweight title and Eddie Guerrero is in the Fatal 4-Way for the number one contendership for the Undisputed title at Armageddon. And he says, like, hey, we're going to have two belts. Chavo's going to need a bigger chest. And they hype each other up. Eddie is saying that, you know, Hector, Mondo, and Chavo, your dad, would be proud. And especially Grandma Guerrero, you know, Gory's wife, would be so proud. And with two belts each... We will start dominating the WWE and nobody, and I mean nobody, will stop us. And 
Los Guerreros do have a run with titles a little later, but it's not the ones <laughs> that you think. Now, either I took no notes for this next thing or it got cut off the network. I didn't bother looking into it because it was it was just a Brock Lesnar interview live via satellite in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Probably talking about Paul, probably talking about the big show, maybe a little bit about the number one contendership and the fact that he can't go for a rematch with the big show. It's uh, just gives us a clue as to what his plans are next. And I'm I'm thinking it's going to be the Royal Rumble or maybe he's going to mess around with uh, with big show. Who knows? I do but I'm not going to go into it. The Extreme Blast of the Night is brought to you by the JVC Tower of Power, and it was Brock Lesnar attacking the Big Show last week on SmackDown. Next up for the Cruiserweight Championship is Billy Kidman, the champion, the fighting champion who has been on TV every week, going up against Chavo Guerrero. The champion comes out to the green lighting I know was for his theme, but I swear to everything, it was velocity lighting. And I thought that I skipped a match here or I accidentally clicked something else on the network and I was starting to watch velocity, which, my goodness, if I had all the time, I would watch as much velocity as I could because I was a religious watcher of that show on Saturday night because I had nothing else going on because I had no life. My goodness. We see a running gory special into the corner by Chavo in an extremely impressive spot. Chavo is in control for a good chunk of the match and does a rope-assisted abdominal stretch like cheat and steal essay. A gory bomb is then reversed by Billy Kidman, but then Chavo does the running kitchen sink knee to stop Billy dead in his tracks. Billy Kidman then hits a spagingo back body drop, ding, and an Ushi Garoshi. Billy Kidman then does a suplex, but it was reversed into a roll-up with the tights, but does not get the job done. A Chavo Tornado DDT, which on Nitro back in the day would finish people off, is reversed into a BK Bomber. Chavo is then called Quadruple Tough by Tess. No, he ain't double tough, he ain't triple tough, he's quadruple tough, Cole. Sorry for all you Taz fans and that awful impersonation. Chavito then lands the Tornado DDT, but it is not enough. They are both going up to the top rope for a seemingly superplex, super slam, super BK bomber spot, but they both fall off the top rope to the outside. But then finally, Billy Kidman gets Chavo into the ring, goes for the shooting star press, but nobody is in the pool. A gory bomb. By Chavo Guerrero. One, two, foot on the ropes. He goes to the outside to get the belt to wham Billy with. It is denied. And then in this really cool looking spot, Chavo is on the apron. He is facing the opposite way. Billy Kibben then picks him up for a reverse suplex or a curtain call or like a reverse 1916 kind of move to slam Chavo back into the ring. And then the shooting star press finally lands. It doesn't land on Chavo's face like that Billy Kidman-Paul London feud. It was clean. It was crisp. It was right on target. And Billy Kidman retains 
the Cruiserweight Championship in a very, very good match. We've probably seen it a whole whack of times on Nitro, and they still have just amazing chemistry. Backstage, Mark Lloyd is with Edge, the head of the Edge Army, those Edge Army shirts. Kind of cringy, but also kind of cool. I don't mind it. It's, it's a neat design. And he says that my only focus when I woke up this morning was to be the number one contender for the WWE title, to get closer to my dream of holding that championship. But after tonight, my focus shifted a little bit because Albert beat his friend and tag team partner Rey Mysterio up really bad with a chair to the knee quite a few times. And he says that tonight is going to be an outlet for my aggression on Albert whenever I get my hands on him, whenever I see him. He then sees Albert in the back and runs for him, but they're very quickly broken up by security and undercard wrestlers. Next up is Taz hosting the Hip Hop Challenge. We got a rap battle, kids, with John Cena with Bull Buchanan, B-Squared, and Rakishi. Taz makes fun of Cena's attire, which includes his uh, hat that looks a lot like Jake Hager's hat. I like this hat. I like his hat too, and that hat gimmick is awesome. I don't care what y'all think. It's wrestle crap, it's cringe. No, it's genius. Jake Hager friggin' rules. But he's got a new hat. But Malibu Stacy has a new hat. It's the same cheap, stupid stuff as before. But he's got a new hat. I want it, I want it, me, 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 I want it, I want it. Oh, Stacy Con, 1994 in 2022. And then we have a bit here. We have them bat- rap battling. I didn't even... I didn't write down everything they said, but this not-hip, 38-year-old Caucasian male is going to try to interpret everything here and try to get what they said. In a verbal battle, nobody can beat me. This is John Cena. And B2 was a one-man posse. Taz is just another dude who came up short in Red Hook. He then uses the R word. Nice. Not nice. He then says that Rikishi got the verbal stink face. And then Rikishi drops some bars of his own, and I can see where his kids, the Usos, got their bars from, because they're not that bad. He calls John Cena worse than Vanilla Ice and an Eminem wannabe. Rikishi talks about being shot twice, and I almost lost my life, but the big man upstairs said the time ain't right. I've been raising the roof since the age of three, from NYC to the Big D. Then he points to his deck, but he's obviously talking about Dallas. And then B2, B-squared, jumps him. John Cena takes advantage with them. Taz gets blindsided. He takes off his glasses. You know what's coming. John Cena becomes just another victim and is locked in the Taz mission before the two babyfaces send the rappers out of the ring. Taz puts on John Cena's Jake Hager hat and dances with Rikishi, much to the delight of Michael Cole, who's like, Rikishi is dancing. I don't know what the hell Taz is doing. Very, very funny, funny bit there. Backstage, Mark Lloyd is with Kurt Angle, trying to get his thoughts on the Fatal 4-Way match 
coming up next. My thoughts? My thoughts are on winning the WWE title for the third time. My thoughts are on proving superiority over Chris Benoit again. My thoughts are on proving to Eddie Guerrero why I won these gold medals. Why I am the best, why I am your Olympic hero, and why I am your next WWE Undisputed Champion. We then lead into the fatal four-way match, an elimination match, to determine the number one contender at the big show, the Undisputed Champion, at Armageddon later this month. As Edge is making his way into the ring and posing for the fans, he is wailed on by Albert with a chair to the knee once again, and Edge is seemingly taken out of this match. After the commercial break, we learn that Armageddon is brought to you by Lugs. Lugs, it's for your feet. Edge is maybe not here. Psych, you think you know me. Rob Zombie, Edge limps to the ring. And his knee is the number one target of the other wrestlers in this match. And this match, I mean, it was quick. It was action-packed. It was spot after spot after spot. And man, it was awesome. It was just the best. This is SmackDown 6 with some of the SmackDown 6, but holy crap. We have Eddie and Angle sent to the outside to time travel to 2004 where they would have a WrestleMania caliber match at WrestleMania. Benoit is targeting Edge right away. In desperation, Edge gets a face buster out. Angle suplexes Benoit out of the ring. Eddie frog splashes Kurt Angle. Benoit air Canada's Eddie. Education to Benoit. Edge is still favoring his knee throughout this match. Benoit takes Eddie to Suplex City, Alberta with a string of Germans. Eddie Guerrero eats a spear by Edge, the crossface to Eddie, who taps out and is the first man eliminated from this match. Angle, once again, taking us to Suplex City. Edge is perched on the top rope and hits a missile dropkick on Angle, continuing to land on his knee and favor his injured knee. Angle Slam is reversed into the Edgeomatic, still the most hilarious name for a move that I can think of. A crossface to Edge, but for some reason Kurt Angle breaks it up, tries to land an ankle lock so he can get the submission victory himself. There is a ref bump. Eddie is back. After getting eliminated, he gets speared out, out of the ring. Benoit then eats a spear and he is eliminated. We're down to Kurt Angle versus Edge. Hair versus hair. Backlash. No, hair versus hair at Judgment Day. Singles match at Backlash. We are coming back full circle. Nate, take a shot. And these two just put on a two, three, four minute clinic. We got Edge blading. We got the ankle lock on Edge a couple of times. A belly to belly by both wrestlers onto each other. We then get a rest hold where Kurt Angle can land in the Davy Boy Smith Memorial chin lock on Edge to 
get a chat up on, you know, how we're going to finish this match, you know, what we're going to eat when we're traveling together after this match, what we're going to do when we get backstage, etc., etc. A suplex city is reversed into a roll-up by Edge getting a hope spot here. Speaking of hope spots, Edge lands a spear much to the delight of the Dallas crowd, but Kurt Angle, using his integrity, kicks out. A DDT, execution, if you will. Kick out. Angle slam. Kick out. Execution again. Nope. Missile drop kick. Nope. An ankle lock, a roll through into an ankle lock again. Edge reaches the ropes and Kurt Angle continues to hold on to the leg. Well, not in an ankle lock position because he would have broken the five count and got disqualified. But then Edge says, nah, Insigiri, you're done. Edge then presses A and B in no mercy and hits the Olympic slam on the Olympic hero, but gets a two count. Edge is perched on the top rope, ready to go for a move, but then Kurt Angle, with that agility, he should put an A with his three eyes, I and A, something, something. I don't know where I was going with that, but no. Running super angle slam, that bit where he runs up to the rope, grabs you and does the arm drag, No, no, no. He does the running angle slam with that one and wins this match, becomes the number one contender, and is immediately jumped by the undisputed champion, the Big Show, and chokeslammed through the mat. And we're thinking SmackDown's going to end here, but no. We are at the hotel. The SmackDown Hotel, if you will. And speaking of smacking things down, (sighs) Don Marie is waiting in her hotel room for Tori Wilson with a glass of wine in her robe. My goodness, if the if uh, the live crowd mic was mic'd during this bit, you'd get the HLA chance. She is rejecting Don's advances, and then Don playing mind games says, I guess you don't love your dad after all. And that's where the broadcast cuts out, at least on the network. And I think they do a little bit of HLA in this bit, unless it airs next week. Uh, But I'm not reviewing next week's SmackDown because I've said it a couple of times already. But next week I'm reviewing Armageddon. I might have a guest on the show pending their availability If not, this is one that I'm going to be doing solo as well. So thank you very much, everyone, for listening to this episode. If you made it this far, big props to you. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Fretzelmania. That's F-R-E-T-Z-L-E Mania. Be sure to listen to the rest of us on Wrestle Addict Radio, The Cure for the Common Wrestling Podcast. Dropping every Tuesday, we got some Brace for Impact with my good brother, my former co-host on the Game Changer podcast, Nate, the effing great. I was recently on there, and in proper GCP fashion, the, the train goes right off the tracks almost right away. We reviewed Bound for Glory 2006, and my goodness, that is a very, uh, very interesting show in the annals of history when it comes to Impact Wrestling. We also got the Kings of the Rings podcast live streaming every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. 
Eastern Standard Time, that is King Ricky Rose, Willie T, and pending internet availability and Eddie Kingston not outside of their house messing with their modem, the lovely Queen Bee themselves, the K. Murphy, I was also on KOTR Podcast uh, rather recently. I think it was recapping Full Gear and predicting Survivor Series War Games, so you can listen and see how horribly wrong I was on almost all of my predictions there. And although he is on a brief hiatus, I want to give big love, as I always do, in proper YLP fashion, to Mr. YLP himself, Zach, on his sabbatical, you know, getting his uh, his mental health sorted out, which I applaud him for. I suggest you check out his personal podcasting feed, where he documents his journey with therapy. It is uh, it's very eye opening, and you know, mental health is something that we should be you know, talking a lot more about. Straight up. So thank you very much, everybody. We will see you next week for Armageddon 2002. The end is here.